Hi everybody and welcome to this episode of the Tracker Bros podcast. The Tracker Bros is my buddy Marcus and myself, Daniel. We are both serious fitness and tech enthusiasts, product testers and wearable geeks. The goal of this podcast is to give you guys more insight into the use case scenarios for different wearables and apps to enhance your health and athletic performance. We want to give you a better understanding on what exists on the market and what your personal benefit could be. On this podcast, we will talk to amazing app designers, vendors, CEOs, and other people working in the wearable and app market, but also to ambitious athletes using tech to enhance their performance, or just regular people trying to live a healthy lifestyle. We hope you will be inspired by our podcast and get some new ideas on how to improve your life and performance. With that in mind, enjoy listening and always continue to perform better with data. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the third episode of the Tracker Bros podcast. Today, we have no one less in the house than the techie agent, who to me is some sort of pop star among the fitness device reviewers, <laughs> and also one of my favorite trusted information sources. When I want to check out a new device, it is really an honor to have you here, Eric. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Hey, Eric, um, or should we call you Mr. Agent? Um, no, <laughs> I no think Eric, this... you call me Eric. That's, I... that's, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I think this would have given you some James Bond flavor. <laughs> um, can you please introduce yourself, uh, who you are, what you do? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, my name is Eric Russell. Uh, I am a YouTuber um, on the side. That's not my day job, but that's kind of my hobby. And uh, I run a channel on YouTube called The Techie Agent where I review health and fitness technology, which mostly means that I review fitness watches, fitness trackers, those sorts of things. Eric, before I start with our nasty questions, um, <laughs> I would like to praise you um, because, you know, we are nerds, we're tracker nerds, and uh -huh. we read a lot of material, many yep. blogs, many so-called tests, and so on and so on. And still, after all this long time, you are one of the few sources of information that are left that are honest. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I watch one of your videos, I get the impression this is real. You know, this, this guy doesn't keep anything under the table. He's not bought from a vendor or something. So uh, I really like this. Right. It's very rare. Most of the YouTubers who claim to test the device, they just go through a list of features but they don't say anything about how good these features are implemented. And I like the way you do it. You really tell people when something is not right in your opinion. Yeah, no, I appreciate that feedback. That's what I try to do. Um, I've, you know, we'll get into this some, in some of the questions later. I think we'll probably explore some of that process, but um, I try to give people my honest opinion. Some people may not agree with my opinion, and that's fine. That's their right. They don't have to agree with my opinion. But I'm always going to give people my honest opinion on what I think. Um, and I'm not willing to sell out or change my opinion because, you know, a brand may not like it or because I might lose subscribers. That doesn't really bother me. I care more about the honest truth 
as I see it, as opposed to, you know, trying to um, sell out. It's pretty way. cool um, and pretty rare these days, I must admit. Um, so, Eric, why have you chosen YouTube and not Instagram or some sort of web page or other social media platforms for your reviews? Yeah, um, you know, I think YouTube for me made the most sense when I started because it is the place to go for amateur video. And, um, you know, there's places that are that are more for more professional video like Vimeo. Uh, there are places to go for short form video like Instagram. But if you really want to do, you know, longer, you know, five, 10 or 15 minute videos and then get really good exposure um, on those videos, YouTube is really the only place or the best place to go. Um, Facebook also, you know, a lot of videos get shared, but it's hard to search Facebook to find something you want. Whereas with YouTube, you know, it's like, I know that for me personally, anytime I want to go buy a camera or buy something expensive or a piece of technology, I want to research it. And the one of the first places I research is on YouTube. And so it made a lot, makes a lot of sense for me to just use YouTube as that platform, because I know that that's where people are going to go when they want to watch a video and find something out about a product, I want them to be able to find my videos. And so that makes, you know, the most sense yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, that's a very uh, convenient way to uh, search those reviews. You're right. Um, for sure. And for sure. why do you do tracker reviews? Um, how did you get into this topic at all? Um, it was kind of by accident, to be quite honest. <laughs> um, back in 2014, yeah, back in 2014, um, as a, one of the jobs that I do is I'm a real estate agent. And so um, I had a friend of mine say, hey, you're, you know, very techie person. You have a lot, you use technology a lot and you should do videos that help real estate agents figure out how to buy and sell properties and then and use technology to do that. So that's why the channel was originally called the techie agent. It had nothing to do with fitness. It was entirely about how to be Uh, a real estate agent that used technology. And so I did a couple of, of uh, videos trying to, you know, show re other real estate agents how to, how to uh, use technology. Nobody watched them, <laughs> you know, nobody cared. They didn't do very well. And just on a whim one day, I decided, hey, I'm going to go ahead and upload a review of the Adidas FitSmart. It was a watch that I had bought and it had a Mio sensor on it. And I bought it and I really liked it and it was much better than some of the other watches that I had in the past. And so I really liked it. And so I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and put, put a review on YouTube of this watch up. So I uploaded this, you know, video of just me sitting at my kitchen table talking about the Adidas FitSmart and a bunch of people watched it. And I was like, kind of surprised by that, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> there, nobody must be talking about this on YouTube. Nobody's giving, you know, honest reviews about these Uh, fitness trackers. So I think I, I think shortly after that, like maybe a couple months later or something, I bought another fitness tracker and I did a review on that one. Um, I think it was the, oh gosh, I can't even remember what it was. But in, in any case, I bought another one. I did a review and that one did really well. And then so I kind of figured out, hey, you know what? There's a space here on YouTube that there's not really too many people doing reviews on fitness trackers. 
I should do them because I enjoy doing it and people enjoy watching it. So I should just do it because I enjoy working out. I enjoy the technology. So I started doing it and then it could just kind of took off. From okay. There. Really cool insights. Um, when, when did you start recording? Um, yeah, it would have been, I think if I remember correctly, it would have been like in August or September of 2014. So it would have been, you know, about five ah, years okay. ago. So you're there from the start. Um, yeah. At that time, there were not that many YouTubers on this, this kind of topic. No, yeah, at that time, yeah, and what prompted me to kind of do the review was at that time, I um, had just bought a, oh, uh, what was it? It was like the Polar Loop, the Polar <laughs> Loop with a chest strap. And that was, you know, that was like one of the first fitness watches that I, that I bought was the Polar Loop. And I liked that one because it had a chest strap and Fitbit had a couple of fitness trackers at the time, but they couldn't connect to a chest strap. So I thought, well, I want the Polar because that connects to a chest strap and it's small. It's not big and bulky. So I got that one. And uh, the only person doing reviews on it at the time, the only person was Jeff Rizzo from Rizno's. Yeah. I'm sure you guys yeah, know him. And uh, so, yeah. So I watched his review and I thought, well, this is great. So I bought it. And then when I went to go look at other reviews of other fitness trackers, nobody was doing it, you know, except for Jeff at the time. And so uh, I thought, well, hey, there shouldn't be just one person giving their opinion. There's there's room for another guy. And so I started doing them as well. All right. Um, when talking about those other reviews or all these tests and reviews on the Internet, um, what do you think about them? Uh, I, I'm talking about those that rate a tracker as best tracker according to some weird criteria. Um, yeah, are you talking about, like? Uh, are you talking about what I think about the other reviews or the other reviewers? The reviews, not the reviewers. Yeah, the other. Re yeah, the other reviews. Um, well, that it's a long, a little bit of a long answer. I think that some reviews are honest. And again, I might disagree with them, but I think that they're honest. And then there are other reviews out there that are definitely, um, I wouldn't say bought. I don't think that, you know, there's other reviewers that are saying, hey, if you pay me X amount of dollars, I will give you a good review. I don't think that that happens necessarily, but I do think that other reviews are definitely influenced. Um, and here's what I mean by that. Sometimes, you know, there's pressure on a, on a YouTuber of, to review a product and not say too many bad things about the product, because if they do, then what will happen is that company may not want to work with you anymore. You know, um, I had this particular uh, um, thing happen with Mio, actually, um, where um, I bought, it was like one of their last, one of the last Mio devices. I love Mio, um, had the, I love their sensors, um, had a couple of different Mio watches. And um, they had like, I forget what it was called, like the Mio Spire, the Mio Spark mm -hmm. or something yep. like that. And, um, and they sent me one and it was, it was just garbage. <laughs> it wasn't performing well. It was really glitchy. So I did a review talking about how bad it was. And they, they contacted me. They saw the review. They reached out to me and they said, hey, we think you got a faulty device. We're really sorry about that. Can we send you another one? And I said, sure, absolutely. I'll, I'll, you send me another one. And if I have a totally different experience, I'm very happy to take down that original video and do a new review, you know, if I had a product that was defective. So they sent me out a new one and I tried it out and got the exact same results. It was just 
a, a terrible product. And so I left my review up and they weren't happy about that. And I, and I realized, you know, when I did that, that um, they, they're probably not going to send me any more free fitness trackers. You know, yeah. they're probably going to send them to other people who, who um, are going to um, put the product in a better light. And so there's that pressure, I think, on other reviewers to, you know, like, like Garmin, for example. Garmin definitely has um, other reviewers um, that they are applying that kind of pressure to make sure that they do a mostly positive review. And if they don't, then it's like that relationship may change and then you may not get exclusive access to those products anymore, yeah. you know. And so... I think there's that pressure, not necessarily where the, the brands are buying good reviews, but definitely like they only want to work with people that are going to give them mostly positive reviews. And so there's that pressure that, that then those, you know, other YouTubers have of, hey, if I don't if I don't talk good about this device, then I might not get the benefits of working with this company in the future. So I understand that pressure. Um, part of me just doesn't care. I just don't care. Like, you know what, if, if I don't get first, the first review out because they're not sending me an exclusive device because Garmin or Fitbit doesn't like what I have to say, that's fine. I'll go buy it from the store just like everybody else. Do it, you know, a little bit later than the other YouTubers. And I'm okay with that. So that's just kind of my philosophy, my approach. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, that's the same thing uh, Daniel and me want to have on our groups honestness and uh daniel help me out <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah actually this is actually why we have this podcast we do not want to you know just name brands and say they're great we want to tell people what's good what's less good what does what works for us what works less and when yeah. i i read all the posts in in the many uh, forums that we host, people come up with, look, I have this tracker and I read in some test in magazine, whatever, it's great, it won this test. Mm -hmm. And then I say, send me the link and I read the so-called test or review. And all they do usually is just, they list up features. There's not a single mm -hmm. word on how good these features are implemented if they actually work. They just make a list of features and compare it to a list of features of other trackers and they say this tracker has five features more so it's better and they, right, they may suck right. completely in sense of you know heart rate or whatever and uh, or uh, energy expenditure or gps accuracy whatever but these so-called reviews they don't pay attention on what how good this stuff is i believe most of the so-called reviewers don't even know how to compare or to measure or to even know what's real what's um what what cannot be real you know if you get like 1000 kilocalories for one hour of resistance training you know this is not this is highly unrealistic but most right. people don't know what is realistic right no that's all good and and um and in, in addition to the methodology i would say i would add two things one you know you'll get these reviews where they where they test out fitness trackers And then they'll say, you know, well, this one's better than this one. And, and you know, and then when you actually look at their methodology, it, I, I think that their methodology is seriously flawed. And one example of that is I saw this um, like this. It was an either documentary or 
a news channel bit or something like that on television where they were talking about how, you know, all of these fitness trackers are really inaccurate and nobody should really be buying them. And I was, this was like probably two or three years ago. And so I was like, well, I really want to find the study that they did. So I looked up the study and what they did was they took only eight individuals and then they had each of these eight individuals put three watches on every wrist. <laughs> so they had three on their left and three on their right. Okay. You can already see where I'm yeah, going with yeah, this, yeah. right? You know, and it's like, well, that's not how these are designed to be used. You can't put, you know, a fitness tracker halfway up on your forearm, you know, and then another one on your wrist <laughs> and then say that, the, and then say that the results, you know, should be the same. Like they're obviously going to be different. They're not designed to be worn and used in that way. And so, their, their sample size on the test was only eight people. And then even then the methodology that they used was seriously flawed and that made it to television, you know, where tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people are now thinking that this data is completely inaccurate because they saw it on TV and, you know, from one study that was seriously Agreed. flawed. And, so, and, yeah, so and also they, they put it only to test when brisk walking, uh, running which is really really easy to do from a wrist-based yes. heart rate tracker um yes that's the, that's the main cause because uh, i like your channel so much because you're the only one who puts this stuff through weight lifting <laughs> right yeah and that's that was that you you read my mind that was the second thing that i was going to say is you know you'll see these studies where they'll talk about how accurate this watch you know a particular watch may be But then when I wear it, I'm like, well, wait a second, why am I getting different results? Well, when I run or when I go on a bike ride, yes, the optical heart rate sensor might work just fine. But then the second that I get on a bench and start, you know, repping out some heavy sets, then suddenly, you know, the, the data gets all crazy on me. And so, yeah, optical heart rate sensors are are easy in one way, in one sense to get right when you're just doing steady state cardio. But when you start putting it under the pressures of, of strength training, you begin to really see that there's a difference in quality between some optical sensors compared to others. And just listing the features doesn't tell the whole story. Yes. Yep. But talking about studies, uh, I'm a science nerd. I, I read a lot of studies like other people read, you know, uh, criminal uh, stories when they're on vacation. I read studies. <laughs> at, at the beach, really, no kidding. Um, that, that really gets on my nerves. Yeah, Marcus <laughs> hates me for that because, yeah. you know, I, I demand evidence for everything. If Marcus yeah. says, my left big toe is itching, I say, I, I don't believe you, I, I need evidence. You know? <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, yeah. the, I'm the part of us tour who uh, just wants to test out everything and Daniel is reading all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one who says, okay. you can test as much as you want, Marcus. It's not supposed to work according to science. Don't even start. <laughs> anyway, what I want to say is, uh, talking about studies, um, I, I think I, I read like at least 75% of all studies uh, that deal with accuracy of trackers. And there's not much out there, to be honest. And those mm -hmm. who are mm -hmm. out there, I, I think every time I open one of them, and I see what they use, I, I think somebody broke into a tracker museum, stole a bunch of trackers, got out and made 
made a study with those ancient devices. <laughs> there's nothing in yeah. there. There's not, not even something that is like two years old, something with first beat uh, technology right. or, you know, advanced stuff under the hood. And then I look for, do they set maximum heart rate before they do measurements? They don't even do that as testing protocol. You know, it's mm. the... We, we all know it's the most important thing that you need to do if you want to exact uh, calories, VO2 max, and all that stuff. You need to set your own personal maximum heart rate in your tracker if your tracker yeah. allows it. You right. Know, the, the cheap, sometimes right. the, the cheap one don't even allow it. But <laughs> they don't do yeah. it in those studies. I think those people don't even have the knowledge to conduct such a study because they don't know how a tracker yeah. works. Maybe they should... You know, ask the techie agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Yeah, and and um and and quite honestly, when it comes to being well read or um understanding the technology on a very granular level, that's where I think guys like you um probably know a whole lot more about that than I do. I mean, I'm on the same you know Facebook group that you guys are on. And see the the level of reading that you guys do, and the the knowledge that you guys have, and credit to you guys because that's that's taking it even to a level you know beyond where I'm at. Um, I, you know, I understand a little bit of it, but in, in one sense, I think the appeal of my channel is I'm just kind of an average guy. You know, I'm the average guy that has a little bit more of an understanding maybe than most, but. But um, just the average guy and um, and, you know, sharing my opinion. And I think the value that you guys have on this podcast and on the Facebook group that you guys are a part of and and, you know, kind of the thing that you guys are, are looking to do. And I think it's super important is to really dive in on the scientific data on a granular level. You understand the technology. You understand its limitations. You understand how it's supposed to be used. And um and then, you know, being that voice, uh, you know, in this space, um, this online space about that. And I think that, that that's great. I, I'm excited to see like what what how your podcast does, because I think there's definitely a place for it. You guys are taking this to uh, um, a deeper level than what I even do, you know, on my fitness. Tests. Thanks a lot. We really like to hear that. Yeah, very appreciated. Thank you. Okay, yeah. uh, we have talked about things that can be measured by a tracker. So in our groups, like on, on Facebook, people come and ask us, can you recommend a good tracker? So when somebody comes with this question, what do you respond? So typically, I mean, I get asked this question all the time on the comments section of YouTube, you know, hey, what fitness tracker is the best? What would you recommend to me? And my answer is always the same to every person. And, and my answer is usually a question. And that is, well, what do you want to get out of it? Like, what, what exercises are you doing? What metrics are important to you? Because not every fitness tracker... Um, is just going to be the best one for everyone. And so, you know, it's like, um, for me, um, I'm a gym rat, you know, I do a lot of strength training. I, I do a lot of high intensity interval training and I don't do honestly a ton of distance based cardio stuff. So for me, it's much more important to have accurate heart rate and calorie counting data than GPS data. 
And so if I have somebody come to me and they're, and they, all they do are triathlon events, you know, I'm not going to recommend to them the same fitness tracker that I would recommend to someone who just wants to go in and lift. So you do not re recommend a $100 Fitbit for a triathlon athlete. <laughs> I, yeah, I wouldn't, <laughs> I would not. Yeah, I would not. But, you know, on the other hand, I have, I've had people come to me and they say, you know, Hey, I'm a stay at home mom or, um, or, you know what, I'm, I'm 60 years old and I've got too much weight on me. And I, all I want to do is just keep track of my steps and I don't have a lot of money. Like, what would you recommend? You know, and in a case like that, I'm not going to go say, well, Hey, you need to go get the Garmin Phoenix, you know, series watch, yeah. um, because it's the best, you know, that's not going to serve that person well. So for them, I'm going to maybe recommend that cheap Fitbit that doesn't really do a whole lot, but it maybe is just enough to keep them motivated and give them enough feedback to help, you know, keep them active and healthier. And so it really depends on the person on what they, what their budget is, what they're looking for, um, what, what their needs are specifically. I don't think that there's any one fitness tracker that is the best for everyone. I think it really depends on the person. So um, speaking of you, uh, which metrics are most important for you and why? Um, which metrics are less important or what would you call marketing features? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great question. Kind of two questions there. So um, I would say that the metrics for me personally that are important are I want to see accurate heart rate data when I'm doing a bench press, when I'm doing curls, when I'm doing dips, when I'm rowing, when I'm box jumping, I want to see accurate heart rate data. Um, and I want to see accurate calorie counting uh, because I very much um, change my diet in accordance to, you know, what, my watch is telling me. So if I burn, you know, 3000 or 3,500 calories in a day and I'm trying to maintain my weight, I want to make sure that at the end of the day, I've eaten exactly that amount, um, ver you know, and not over and not under. So calorie counting is really important okay. to me. Um, heart rate data is very important to me. Um, GPS data again, because I'm not a cardio or not a, you know, a distance um, kind of athlete, that's less important to me, but I want it just as an option for when I do go out and uh, run or take a bike ride. I want it, but it's less important to me. Um, there are some features that I do think, as you mentioned, kind of that are, that are a little bit gimmicky or um, just features that are um, features for the sake of having features, I guess. And some of those would be I would say that the, the, those features tend to fall into what I would call digital logbooks. What I look for in a fitness tracker is I want the, the watch or the device to be able to tell me something that I wouldn't be able to know just by guessing or estimating. So, um, for example, you know, it's like my heart rate data. Well, the only way I can truly know that is if I'm wearing, you know, that watch. A lot of these companies now are offering these features like they'll, they'll have um, um, like this is a criticism of Garmin, even though I love Garmin, but their strength training uh, workout profile that they have is basically just a digital log. And what it's asking you to do is to, as you go through your workout, to enter in on the watch, 
you know, press and how many reps you did. And it will try to, to automate some of that for you, but it's not super accurate. So you inevitably have to go back through uh, the app or on the watch and make those corrections and make that digital log correct. You're talking about the, and, the automatic rep count, right? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and I, I think it's, it's good in theory. I like the idea in theory, but the, the criticism that I have about that feature is that that's something that I could do probably just as easily by having a notebook and paper right. and just putting down, you know, I did bench press. I was, you know, lifting this amount of weight and did this amount of reps and then go to my next set and the same thing. That's something I can do with a notebook and paper or even just keeping a note on my phone. And so what I really want from a fitness tracker is something more than just a, a digital log, you know, a digital log book. And I think that that's what a lot of these quote unquote features are. So for example, one of the features that some of these watches are doing now um, is period tracking, you know, for Jesus. women and telling women like, you know, <laughs> like telling women, Hey, we'll track your period. And well, it's not actually tracking your period for you automatically. You know, it's like, well, what it's doing is you have to tell the watch here's, you know, when it started, here's when it stopped. Yeah. And then, you know, and it's keeping a calendar for you, but you have to manually enter it in. And I don't really think that's a feature. That's just saying, Hey, we allow you the ability to log certain information. And that's not really telling me anything that I couldn't do myself with a notebook and pencil. Right. So, so for me, a real feature on a fitness tracker is, is the device giving me data and, and giving me information that I would not really be able to know without it. That's a real feature. So heart rate data or GPS um, or heart rate variability you know, or sleep. Those are things that, that I can't know on my own very easily. And so the fitness tracker, you know, provides that data for me. I don't really feel it's a, a genuine feature when it's just nothing more than a log, a digital log. Yeah, totally agree on that. Yeah. Um, Same holds probably for water tracking, which is also on the new garments. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, hey, this tracks how much water you've done. And it's like, well, I can do that with my fitness pal as well. Just an app on my phone, you know. I can do that with uh, with a logbook. I can, I can do that. I can carry around, you know, um, a two liter bottle, and all day and track how much water I'm drinking. That true. true. There's, there's lots of other ways that I can log that. I don't need my watch to do that for me because I can already do that myself pretty easily. I want my watch to be able to tell me something that, right. that a log can't. Yeah. That's also one more metric that I consider one of these so-called marketing features, which is respiratory mm -hmm. rate during the day. Right. I admit it makes sense during activities, during sports, but why do you mm -hmm. need that during the day? What value does it give you? if you find out what respiratory rate you had while you were shopping? Uh, the, the, the thing is, I think um, the, the garments, uh, the newer garments uh, measure that the, um, <laughs> when you sit still. And if your respiratory rate goes up, this means stress. I think it's another, another way to measure stress. It is, right. but 
you know, you have other uh, metrics for that. You have heart rate, you have HRV, 24-7 uh, stress uh, in Garmin. So, so I just wonder, for the regular user, what is the benefit? It's trendy. Let them do their thing, man. Exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah, it's, a, it's one more yeah. feature that you can present. Right. Okay. Exactly. Um, Eric, do you also read studies about accuracy? And if, what do you think about it? Uh, accuracy of uh, heart rate, heart rate variability, calories, some stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, to be quite honest with you, I don't read studies to be uh, near to the level that you guys do. Um, I would say that the only time that I'm reading a study is when something kind of pops out um, on my on my feed. You know, I have like I I'm browsing through Google Google News or the Apple News apps, and if I and I you know subscribe to stuff where it pops a Fitbit or Garmin or Apple is going to re you know release something, so I'll read some of that stuff, some of the hype, some of those studies, and um, but not like not the scientific studies. I read more of the mainstream stuff. Um, and, you know, those articles as opposed to the um, scientific stuff that you guys dive into. Um, and what do I think about them? I think that, um, again, like that one that I was telling you about earlier, I think the methodology on a lot of them is flawed. Um, the sample sizes aren't right or the methods that they're using to determine if something is accurate or not, um, you know, is flawed. And that's honestly why I trust just kind of my own experience um, more than I would a study. That's why, you know, it's like I'll buy something and I'll um, try it out. And I want to see for myself it, what I think about the data, if it's accurate or not. And because um, I just honestly don't trust a lot of what I see uh, on those studies. And then the other thing, too, is I don't know, you know, when it comes to scientific studies, those are oftentimes very expensive studies and somebody's paying for it. And I want to know who's paying for it because you know maybe this quote-unquote study was actually funded by the company that um is producing this fitness tracker and they want theirs to look the best and so they're going to pay for this study or whatever that may be and so i just kind of have an inherent distrust i guess on a lot of the studies um and and i don't dive and i probably don't dive into it to the level that you guys do um, I, I know that I don't. And that's, you know, that's kind of one of my weaknesses there. Um, when it comes to the scientific aspects, I'm not as well versed as you guys are and maybe some of, you know, the other reviewers. Eric, uh, you have missed anything in sense of studies because most studies that exist are either uh, about ancient technology, like a couple of right. years old. Right. Or uh, um, they are on uh, five individuals between 20 and 25. Nobody with overweight, nobody older than 50 years old. So even some of them exist, they don't say much. Okay. So, yeah, we haven't missed anything. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what sports are you into yourself Uh when you do not test devices, uh, are you into yeah. anything competitive? Uh, and I realized you're not too much into running uh, because we realized you sent a colleague for running test. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, part of it was I wanted to give better treatment to the running portion of the reviews because, you know, I'm not 
a Desfit or a DC Rainmaker. You know, it's like, I'm not those guys. That's just not how I'm built. And, I'm, and I've tried to think, you know, well, hey, I want to provide useful information to people that are serious runners. And so, yeah, my, my friend Don, um, you know, he's a recreational runner. He's not professional by any means, but his, his you know, ability to run is much better than mine. And so I've used him a lot. But, um, yeah, for me, outside of just regular strength training, kind of interval training, traditional, you know, kinds of exercises like that. Um, the only thing that I've really done competitively, um, probably in the last like 10 years has been, uh, mixed martial arts. So prior to doing, um, my YouTube channel, um, I did have, a, I did train in some martial arts and I did a had a couple of fights where I won one fight and lost another and uh and and have have always enjoyed martial arts um the mixed martial arts and um i i haven't done really that lately i haven't trained in that lately because um i'm just getting a little bit older and quite honestly you know it's like these 22 year olds can beat me up all day long and so <laughs> so competitively i'm just not at the age where i can do that anymore um but uh but i've always enjoyed mixed martial arts um and uh, outside of that, though, strength training is really all I've done in probably the last 10 years. Okay. Well, you would be allowed to wear a tracker for that type of sports anyway, I guess. That's true. Yeah. And what I, what I did, what, I have, what I've done before is if I'm, if I'm actively sparring or fighting with someone, then, yeah, I was not able to wear a fitness tracker. Um, but if I'm training like doing like a punching bag or something like that, I would try to wear the fitness tracker underneath the gloves, but it would become very uncomfortable. And, um, and I felt like I wasn't able to work out, you know, hit a bag like, like I could, if I had, you know, was properly gloved up and properly wrapped and stuff like that. And so, um, so yeah, fitness trackers and MMA actually didn't really work great in terms of when I'm working with another individual, you know, um, for training now, you know, but part of, part of MMA is also just the training aspects, the high intensity interval training to get, um, you know, that burst cardio. And, uh, and so some of that, like I would definitely wear a fitness tracker for that, but, um, but yeah, for the training, for a lot of the training, I couldn't wear it. All right. Um, so when you do a test with a device uh, and you want to check the heart rate data, um, what metrics are you looking at? Just the average heart rate or the maximum heart rate? Or do you want a real good heart rate trace from the wrist? Um, yeah. So, well, but I mean, they all provide something meaningful to me. So, um You know, average heart rate is important to me just because I think that the way that a lot of calorie counting algorithms probably work is that they're looking at that average heart rate over the course of 30 or 40 minutes or whatever to determine, you know, how many calories were burned. Some of them, I'm assuming, do that. So, you know, average heart rate would be important for that um, to find out, you know, like how many calories you've burned, um, how much energy has been expended. But um, maximum heart rate's important because it's more important to me the older the older i get because obviously as you guys know the older you get um the the less fast or the slower your you know the 
your your maximum heart rate decreases the older that you get. And so um, so for me, um, kind of trying to look in one sense at the the physiological or the biological age of my heart, so to speak, I want it to say something younger than than what I actually am, you know, and so it's like if my heart rate is beating if my maximum heart rate is able to get up to a level that uh, is much better than most men my age, then, then I, you know, that's important to me. I want to make sure that my heart rate is doing that. And then if there's times where my max heart rate, because I'm, you know, drinking too much beer or, uh, or eating too much pizza or whatever, and, and I'm not working out like I should, and my maximum heart rate, you know, maybe drops a little bit, uh, then I know that, you know, hey, I need to start pushing myself a little bit better. I'm, you know, get better heart health and stuff like that. And I don't really, to be quite honest with you, know how much of that can be changed. Um, like it's, it's like some things like maximum heart rate or even VO2 max. VO2 max is, a, is one of those metrics that um, moving that metric to become better is really incremental. Like it takes a lot of work yeah. to to improve your VO2 max. You can definitely improve your VO2 max for sure, but it's like one of those things that takes a long time, you know, to see the results. And so, um, but I think those metrics are important to me. So max heart rate is, is certainly important to me as I age. Uh, average heart rate is important to me for calorie counting. And then I forget what the other part of your question was there. Um, what other metrics you're looking at? Oh yeah. Um, VO2 max, uh, uh, is less important to me than I guess heart rate variability. I, I do think that VO2 max is important, but, um, but because I'm not a cardio, you know, or a distance runner, yeah. um, that doesn't matter to me quite as much as heart rate variability does. Um, another metric that I, that I'm hoping that we see that we, we haven't really seen, but you know, there's rumors going around about, you know, uh, this becoming a possibility, but that would be blood pressure readings. I would love to see, uh, blood pressure readings, like resting blood pressure readings throughout the day. Um, and I know that that technology is definitely kind of in the laboratory development stage right now for a lot of, uh, brands, um, You know, there's rumors, I think, for a while that at the new Apple Watch Series 5 was going to include that feature, but obviously they didn't. But that's that's a feature that I would love to see where they are able to get really close and accurate estimates of blood pressure. Yeah. Um, because um, I'm uh, my family history has, ge you know, is genetically predisposed to high blood pressure. Okay. And so I'm always, even though I've always been relatively healthy and fit, I'm always kind of like flirting with that line. I'm always at that place, like where my blood pressure is just a little bit higher than it should be. Not quite high enough to start taking medication or anything like that, but it's always been just a little bit higher than I'm comfortable with. And so I would love to see that metric, uh, you know, in the future, I think that would be something that would be important to me. And I think a lot of other people, and again, especially as I age, as I get older, you know, some of those things become more important. I agree. This one would be really useful. Talking about, high blood pressure you lately released your review on the polar ignite and yes. uh, it was uh <laughs> well i would say there were a few points that were quite negative and yeah how do users react on criticism of their holy grail 
to you. For example, the Ignite yeah. is a device that is around you know 200 euro in Germany or 200 dollars, and uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, many people bought it because it seems to provide a lot of functionality for little price. And then yeah. you you came up with um, uh, with a less positive review. So how do users react on criticism? Um, I mean, they definitely let me know. <laughs> you know, they- <laughs> I, ha- I hate your channel. Go away. Go yeah. to hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They let me know, and you know, and I don't censor it. I leave those those comments there. I don't delete comments unless it's someone that's being, you know, outrageous. Not to me, but usually to someone else. You know, when I have trolls or bullies to someone to to my other you know users and subscribers, then I'll censor that. You know. But when it's when it's someone just letting me know that they don't like a review, I'm like, okay, that's fair. You don't have to like it, um, and I'll leave their comments up. But they definitely on that one let me know that they a lot of people did not like that review. And typically, you know, the way that they'll respond um, is they'll they'll do one of two things. One, they'll either accuse me of being in the back pocket of Apple or Garmin <laughs> or Fitbit that I've got, I've got accused of being a fanboy of all, you know, every brand out there. Uh, every, everybody will always accuse me of you yeah. know, being an Apple fanboy or a Garmin fanboy. You're bought uh, probably, by them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm bought by them all. I wish that was true. I'd, I'd have a much bigger house. Yeah. Um, but so I get accused of that, you know, all the time. They'll accuse me of that. And, you know, the honest truth is I haven't accepted, you know, not not one dollar, not one euro from from any of them. Um, and th- that that's one accusation. The other one that I'll often get as well is a pushback on my methodology. They'll say, well, your review isn't valid because you didn't do this right or you didn't do that right. And in some cases, I would look at that and say, okay, well, that's fair. You know, that's, that was a, that's a good point. Uh, but in other cases, oftentimes, it comes from a misunderstanding. Like, so, for example, a lot of people will say, there's no way that that heart rate data was, was um, accurate. It, you know, your Apple Watch shouldn't have been saying that it was 155 beats per minute after you did a bench press the the polar ignite was actually right because you know your heart rate shouldn't be that high and what what i you know and what they're assuming is that i sat down that i you know did 10 10 reps set the bar down and then immediately you know looked at my watch and it's like no i i might have actually been doing three sets back to back to back you know to re, to record and to look at the heart rate data and so they assume that, you know, hey, maybe the Apple Watch was wrong because it looks like on video, like you did one set <laughs> and then, you know, and then the heart rate was was too high on the Apple Watch. It was actually right on the Polar Ignite. But what they don't know is like, you know, hey, no, there were three different camera angles of that bench press because there was actually three different sets that I did. I had to set up the camera, do a set, set the camera up a different location, do a set do that one last time. And then I took my heart rate reading and here's the, here's what it's showing. So they'll criticize my methodology without necessarily knowing the full story. And that that's, you know, not something I can necessarily get into in a review is trying to describe, you know, that whole process to them. Uh, so they'll sometimes criticize the methodology. And sometimes again, it's just a misunderstanding. And then sometimes I, I agree with them. They might be right on certain things. 
Uh, in my in my humble opinion, um, your methodologies are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, just want yeah. to say that. But I thought the I same. I, I thought the same. I thought yeah. this guy does only one set of bench press and has 155. He's so unfit. <laughs> yeah. oh, by the way talking yeah. about fanboys uh, you know we run a couple of uh, Facebook groups on various yeah. uh, trackers and also we yeah. are a member of basically every every Facebook group in the world that deals with trackers and yeah. uh, we see a lot of fanboyness around and we gave for names sure. um, for fans of the whoop Yeah, we, that's me. We, yes. We, that's Marcus for short. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm accused by Daniel all the time because I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just like this device. Even, even though it's, it's not 100% correct, I, I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't had the new one, the new Whoop, the Whoop 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever the new one is. The 3.0, yeah. Had, yeah, I haven't gotten my hands on that one yet. I did like the original one. Um, at the time, they were doing something that nobody else was doing, you know, that the recovery metrics. Yeah. And um, now you've got the aura ring, um, you know, which some a lot of people argue, I think, is more accurate. I don't know because I haven't tried the new aura ring or the new whoop strap. So I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, that those kinds of those kinds of uh, fitness trackers um, are very interesting to me. I think that's a, that's kind of an evolution or a progression that we're seeing. And I, I would like to see more of that. Anyway, we gave names to them all. And for yes. polar users, uh, I once did a research on energy expenditure of polar okay. devices. And my search returned a study on energy expenditure of polar bears wearing a tracker. No kidding. Interesting. And so now we, we call people who bear a polar, polar bears. And same <laughs> for Garmin users, we call them Garmarinas. <laughs> That's great. I like it. Okay. Um, so when you do your testing, um, how exactly do you conduct your test in the gym? Um, and in what type of exercises do trackers look very bad in your opinion? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, I like to, when I go into the gym to do uh, a review, I like to, um, you know, you'll notice probably that I don't do a lot of lower body um, exercises like squats on any of my reviews. Not because I don't do squats, but because I really want to more test out the, the product when I'm putting um, stress on my upper body to see how that affects the watches. And so um, what I have found is that optical heart rate sensors, and this is no surprise to anyone who's done any little bit of research at all, but optical heart rate sensors just don't do well for strength training exercises, especially upper body exercise. Um, and that, you know, there's, there's, a, there's technical reasons for that, but um, it's just kind of inherent in the technology and the way that your body works. Um, you're just not going to get quite as accurate results. Well, definitely not going to get as accurate results as if you're measuring the electrical signals of your heart using, using a chest strap. So, um, you know, the chest strap is 
going to get going to be much more accurate than an optical heart rate sensor. So fitness bands just don't look well at all. Usually in a gym setting when you're doing upper body exercise and that's when they look really bad. But at the same time, that's when you can also find out if an optical heart rate sensor is really good. If, it, if an optical heart rate sensor does even remotely well, you know, while you're doing a bench press or curls or something like that, then you can be pretty confident that it's actually a pretty good heart rate sensor, you know, even if it's not perfect, because most optical heart rate sensors just fall, completely fall apart in, in a gym strength training scenario. All right. Um, just uh, that our users uh, or listeners see how much effort you put into your reviews. How long does it take in average to produce one of your videos? Um, a lot longer than uh, it would probably seem. I would say that um, outside of the workout, you know, the workout might only be, I might only be in there for, um, let's say I, I would typically like to say I put each um, watch through about three strength training workouts. Uh, and usually I might only record one of those on camera, but I've got the data from three different workouts to work with. And, um, and so, the, you know, those three hours maybe of working out with the band And then in addition to that, I would say that there's probably about eight hours of me going through footage of the workout and editing that and also shooting uh, close-up kind of glamour shots of the products. Um, and, you know, I'll shoot a bunch of footage, you know, using close-up glamour shots and then kind of scrap the stuff that I don't think looks good and only keep the stuff that, that I do like. But I would probably say that, you know, I don't know, probably each review, I've got 10 to 12 hours in terms of gym and then editing and uploading and, you know, all of the work that goes combined anywhere from like 10 to 12 hours. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. It sounds like a lot. Um, but and it's and I wish I had more time, but it's like, you know, this is my side side job, so to speak. And so, um I don't have, you know, that's why I honestly, I, I haven't, I'm not able to crank out reviews. I know that there's people out there that would want to see me do a new review every week. But if I was to do that, then I would only be able to do like one workout with a watch as opposed to three, you know, and I would only be able to put it through certain exercises and not all of them. And so in order for me to really um, give my honest opinion, I feel like I need you know, a couple of weeks of working with the product and putting it through different workouts before I can give my honest uh, assessment. Okay. All right. Um, you reviews, sorry, my mic, uh, your reviews seem to have a focus on more traditional trackers. Um, do you also use any like recovery trackers, sleep trackers, or what we lately call health trackers? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I did do a review on, on the original Whoop Strap. Um, I haven't done it on the new one or the Aura Ring. Um, I would like to do some more of those reviews. Um, I tried to reach out to Aura because I wanted to see if they would send me a free one, but they never responded. <laughs> so, Because so, uh, <laughs> it's an expensive device, you know. And so, um, But that's something that I'm very interested in. I think recovery metrics are 
um, something that I've tried to accomplish a little bit with my Apple Watch. So I do have um, some applications on my Apple Watch that do track heart rate variability. And it's a little tricky because the Apple Watch doesn't do it natively. So there's some workarounds. That, and uh, one of the um, uh, apps that I use is a, actually a sleep app, sleep app that also um, will do heart rate variability in the morning when you first wake up. So before you even get out of bed, what you have to do is basically tell your Apple Watch to do one of those breathing exercises. And what the Apple Watch is actually doing is, you know, um, taking a heart rate variability reading. And then this app will read that data and look at your heart rate variability reading, you know, as soon as you wake up in the morning. And so um, I'll use those readings to kind of determine, you know, um, how much physiological or emotional stress my body might, might be under. Um, you know, so the Apple watch, interestingly enough, is collecting that data with the breathing app, but they're not giving it to you like some of these other apps might. But, uh, the, the great thing is they've opened up, um, that data to third-party applications. So those other applications can tap into that data and read it and then present it in a way that's more helpful to me. So, um, so yeah, I do sleep tracking with a third-party application. I do heart rate variability reading uh, readings on my Apple Watch using a third-party application, and those those are all things that that matter to me um, a lot. But uh, but in terms of like other stuff, like our other bands out there, like the Whoop Strap or the Aura Ring and some of those others, um, I haven't done those lately. You're right, I have done more traditional stuff, but um, I would like to do more of the. Uh, reviews of some of those other non-traditional fitness trackers. Yeah. Don't do it. You will save a lot of stress in the morning by comparing <laughs> five devices yeah. and discussing right. with Marcus why it makes sense or does not make sense. <laughs> right. and why yes. they differ, oh, yeah. must differ or must not differ. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Yeah. And, I, and I've, seen, I've seen those discussions on the Facebook group of, of guys comparing, you know, the whoop strap versus the aura and looking at all the data and trying to make sense of why it said this and not that. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I've seen those discussions. Yeah. So, um, uh, the, the Apple watch is your go-to tracker. It's your you daily tracker. What? I would say that it's my daily tracker. And a lot of people will probably laugh at like, how does this guy, you know, is he serious? You know, he's using the <laughs> Apple watch as his daily fitness tracker. And it's, yes, it's true. But, but here's my, my defense. Um, of it is um, one, I think that the Apple Watch, at least the Series 4, the Series 5, I think that it may actually have some, it may not be quite as accurate actually as the Series 4, which is hard to believe, yeah. but it, I think it might be true. Um, but the Series 4, uh, in my opinion, has the most accurate optical heart rate sensor for the wrist. Yes, totally, for sure. so, totally for sure. agree. Uh, uh, yeah, and so. Yeah. And I mean, you know, DC Rainmaker even, you know, and he's a guy who's, um, you know, very much a Garmin guy, I think, and uses a lot of their products. But even DC Rainmaker had on one of his uh, posts or, or um, you know, articles that he wrote stated that the Apple sensor, optical heart rate sensor was incredibly accurate, um, you know, even when he was looking at the at the data. So for that reason, I really like the Apple Watch Series 4. I think it's incredibly accurate compared to, the, you know, everything else that's on the market in terms of heart rate data. So 
that I like that. The other reason I like the Apple Watch um, is because I can download third-party applications and get a totally customized approach to, uh, you know, what I want. And so I, I love that. I love that I can, you know, if I, if, if, if I wanted to download Strava and was really into biking or really into running, I could download Strava or Nike Plus or, you know, one of those running applications. Um, or if I'm into weightlifting, there's a ton of different weightlifting applications out there. There are some that if you're, you know, a new weightlifter and you don't know what to do, there's, there's an app out there that shows you the exercise right on your watch. You know, it'll show you the proper form and tell you how to breathe and all that kind of stuff. And I love that about the Apple Watch. I love it that, that people have the opportunity to get a totally customized approach. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I like it. I like that customizability and I like the accuracy of the heart rate sensor. And the, is the GPS the best? No. Is battery life the best? No. But for my purposes, I like, like it for gym-based use. Totally agree on that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you mentioned the, the Apple Watch 5. Um, in my opinion, it's a step back from before. Yeah. Um, they, they have less battery life. They have um, worse optical heart rate sensor and stuff. And that's a real step back. And I, I hope... I really hope Apple gets uh, his shit together, <laughs> let's say, <laughs> yeah. and, and they yeah. release something cool next year with sleep tracking, with HRV tracking. I, I mean, they have the money. I don't, I don't get why they just don't use it. They can buy I, all the yeah. things they want. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, they can. They, yeah, Apple, if they want to, has access to you know, the best engineers if they want to, because they have the money to spend. So they can spend money on that if they want to. My hope is that, hey, we, we know that the new Apple Watch has the same GPS and the same heart rate sensor. My hope is that they do some sort of update that fixes some of those issues. My hope is that they see these reviews, you know, and they say, hey, people are noticing that this is less accurate. We're going to lose the fitness community. And that's, You know, that's one of their biggest demographics. You know, that's that's Apple Watch cares a lot about the people that want to buy the Apple Watch for fitness reasons. And so I hope that they would prioritize that, you know, maybe with the fitness or with the firmware update or something like that to, uh, you know, make it a better product. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how they support it here in the next few months. Well, yeah, I would say that at any given moment, I'm always wearing two two fitness trackers. Um And typically, it's the Apple Watch, if I'm going to be um, doing any sort of uh, gym-based prioritization. Now, when it comes to, like, uh, distance-based stuff, that's where Don, my, my partner now, um, is going to be using um, the Garmin Vivo Active 3. Or he may actually, after this review, we're going to do the, the uh, Garmin Vivo Active 4 review. Um, I actually am wearing that on my wrist right now. And um, that's going to be one that re we review. And that one may become Don's daily wearable. And so when we're testing out the GPS portions of, uh, of workouts, we're, we may be going to the Garmin Vivo Active 4. And even though that's not like the premier product that Garmin offers, it has the same heart rate sensor and the same GPS, the, the new Sony GPS chip that they're putting in their more expensive devices. So 
in theory, you know, the Vivo Active 4 should be just as accurate in terms of GPS data and heart rate data as the much more expensive Garmin products. So we're probably going to be using that as kind of our standard product for um, for GPS, you know, data. Um, the Vivo Active 4 will probably be something that we hit all the other watches against. And then for gym-based use, we'll be using the um, the Apple Watch Series 4, continuing to use the Apple Watch Series 4 because... Again, it's got the best heart rate sensor for gym use. So kind of our philosophy is, hey, we're going to kind of go with whatever we think is one of the best products on the market um, for that specific workout. And we're going to compare whatever product we're reviewing against that one, you know, and so the optical heart rate sensor on the Apple Watch is great. So we're going to see how every other product compares against that. The GPS uh, sense or the GPS chip that Garmin has is, you know, great. And so we're going to compare the GPS chips of any other watch against that. So that's kind of our approach is to take whatever is the best product and pit all of the other products that we're reviewing against those. Makes sense. So what trends, Eric, do you see in the tracker industry lately? Is there any development into a certain direction that different trackers go go the same way or more and more feature pop up in different devices that go in the same direction? Um, yeah, I, well, I think one of the, and we, we, we've talked about this just a little bit. Um, I think that one of the directions that it's going that I don't like um, is rather than refining existing features, like getting even more accurate GPS or even more accurate heart rate data. Instead, they've, instead of going deeper, they've tried to go wider by incorporating new features, you know, and so, you know, you see that with the Apple Watch, the new Series 5, it's like, hey, it can do this, it can do this, it can do this, it can do all of these 100 different things. And then you'll see Garmin and Fitbit and everybody doing the same thing, saying, you know, hey, look at ours, ours can do this many features. And, you know, when you look at the box, it's got a list of 100 different things it can do. Um, That's kind of a direction that I've seen a lot of the um, manufacturers go. And I don't like that. I would much rather them just instead of going wide with the features, I would rather see them go deep with features where they get more accurate heart rate data. Um, and and um, th- there are some features I would like to see, like, again, like the blood pressure reading. That's something that I would love to see added. And I think it's coming um, inevitably because that's going to kind of fit that model of going wide. But um, I would like to see them go deep as well. Okay, um, so another question um, on another topic, uh, in fact. What does your nutrition look like? Uh, is there anything sophisticated or goal-orientated here? Um, not, a, not a ton. So in terms of like, um, you know, health and fitness um, stuff, I take protein supplements. So I have a whey protein that I take. Um, after I work out and I'm probably not doing, taking in as much protein as, you know, some people do. I take in probably about a hundred grams to 150 grams of, I don't know what how that translates, uh, um, you know, or if that, if grams is the metrics that you guys use. It is grams. Yeah. Okay. So, so I probably do like a hundred to 150 grams of protein. I know that some people will say that I should be, you know, you will die. that i'll die die, or that i should be doing even more you know i've seen professional bodybuilders out there say 
that I should be having 50 to 100 grams more than I currently do. And, you know, but 100, 100 to 150 grams of protein for me between my protein shake and my the meat and vegetables and stuff that I eat throughout the day, that's about um, what I would estimate that I get. Um, but in terms of my macros, if you were to actually look at, um, you know, how much protein versus carbs versus fats that I, that I do, um, I would definitely say that I'm probably more focused on, on um, protein and fat, but uh, I'm, I don't avoid carbs. I actually do um, carb load at times. So um, they're t- like, if I've, if I've kind of had a carb deficiency for two or three days, uh, on that fourth day, I may actually go and eat, you know, four or five slices of pizza or something like <laughs> that, you know, really carb up. Um, so I, I, um, and then, and then, you know, with the purpose obviously of then using that energy to go into the gym and get a really intense workout in as well. Yeah. So no, yeah. no wonder you have 155 heartbeats, uh, when you do one set of bench. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the pizza. <laughs> yeah. and, and beer and yeah. I do like beer too. So, you know, it's part, part of it is I like to, I like to eat. I like to, you know, I like to enjoy beers. And so part of it is, you know, um, I want to work out to the point of where I can enjoy some of those foods and things, you know, and, uh, and still not, you know, be really fat. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, overall, what fitness and health tips can you give our listeners besides, uh, drinking beer and, uh, eating pizza all day? <laughs> pizza, really yeah. Pizza, um, pizza I beer. would say, yeah, I would say the, my first fitness tip, um, would be really basic, but it's something that most people aren't doing. And that is drink more water and sleep more. Um, if people drank more water and were better hydrated, they would be less hungry. They would have, um, you know, the body needs a lot of water and they would also, um, you know, they, they also need to sleep more. So if people were to sleep m more, it's it, sleep is literally like a performance enhancing drug. I mean, if you sleep three hours, you're going to feel terrible the next day. If you sleep eight hours, you're going to feel, you know, a lot better. So that's the first tip. Um, and, and, and then I would also just tell people to not get overcomplicated when it comes to what activities or exercises they're doing, uh, but to find something that they enjoy. You know, for me, I don't enjoy running. Um, you know, other people do and they can run and that's what they enjoy. So good for them. For me, I enjoy lifting heavy weight. And seeing, you know, how high I can jump and how many box jumps I can do. That to me is what I get excited about. And so I would tell other people, hey, don't just do what I'm doing. Go do something that you love to do. So for my for my wife, for example, she does a little bit of weightlifting, but she likes to do uh, hula hooping, you know. So, <laughs> so, so much gymnastic stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and I, uh, one of my one of my YouTube friends, Stevie Richards, you know, he does um, yoga. And so it's like, hey, if if um, if you enjoy that activity and it's something you can you can do consistently, then do that because consistency is far more important than you, you know, doing something that you hate for a month and then you quit. Yeah, totally so, agree on that. Yeah, so if somebody can just do something that they love, do that consistently, you know, month after month after month because they enjoy it, they're going to see results doing that. You know, if they're um, drinking water, they're sleeping, they're resting well, they're exercising and doing something that they love. That would be my fitness advice. 
Okay. So thanks, Eric. Um, we have reached almost the end of our podcast. And the last question is, why have you decided to go on a podcast with Marcus and me, the Tracker Bros? The two possible answers that you can give are, A, the world has waited for and needs the Tracker Bros, and B, <laughs> because <laughs> of our beautiful German accent. So choose one. <laughs> well, can, can it not be both? It could be both, though, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, if you lose some users, some followers in YouTube, uh, don't be mad at us. They, they jump over to us because of our German accent. <laughs> I won't be, yeah, I won't be upset in the slightest. Um, so, yeah, that's great. No, you guys are great. Um, I appreciate, again, like, you know, saying what I said earlier, but, uh, there's definitely a space for you guys. I think um, I appreciate how you guys are after the real truth and the real data. And, um, and you kind you kind of have in that sense, the same philosophy that I do where you don't want to just uh, sell out on any one particular brand, but you want to put all of them under scrutiny. So I think that that's, you know, something that uh, I hope your viewers or listeners, I should say, um, appreciate uh, because I do, you know, I again follow you guys kind of on those on those online groups and I appreciate that. And so I keep my eye on a lot of what you guys uh, do there. And um, so, yeah, I think that's why I'm here because I appreciate what you guys do. I think you guys have the same philosophy. You want honest results and honest information. We're all kind of after that same thing in our own way. And that's why I'm here talking to you guys today. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Eric. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And yeah. uh, for those who are not following the Techie Agent yet, just go to YouTube, type in Techie Agent and watch them all. Watch all the videos. Yeah, right. Very, yes. very appreciated, yeah. Eric. Thanks for yeah. being here. Yeah, thank you, Marcus. Thank you, Daniel. And uh, yeah, when you guys release this episode... Um, I'll be sure to uh, do a little short video or something, giving you guys a shout out to make sure that my subscribers know that, uh, you know, you guys have a podcast and, and uh, that they should listen. So appreciate that everything. would be horrific. Eric. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks. Very, very good. So bye, bye guys. Eric. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Appreciate Eric. Your time.